Well, I invite you to open your Bibles if you haven't the Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter one. We'll, we'll read today uh, verses fifty-seven through eighty. Luke chapter one, fifty-seven through eighty. Hear God's word together. It says now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the land of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come now to your word, we pray that you might make these words live to us. Father, as we said earlier, these are familiar words. We have heard these these stories of, of Christ's nativity, of the events surrounding it many times. And so it's easy for it to be familiar, so familiar that that we forget what what we're really reading here. And so, Lord, I pray today that you might focus our hearts, you might focus our minds so that this book might live to us fresh and anew. That we might once again encounter Jesus and the faith that you have called us to. Lord, I cannot do this. I cannot speak these words to our heart. but, But, Lord, you can. And so we pray that you would be active, that you would be pleased to meet with us during this time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, today's sermon is called, O Lord, Open My Lips. That comes from from the Psalm, David's uh, Psalm 51, his, his repentance to, after his sin of Bathsheba. And you'll remember that we noted last week as Luke documents for us the events surrounding the birth of our Savior, of Jesus of Nazareth. He records several songs 
uh, that were sung by those who were closest to it. The, these characters, as they realize by the power of the Holy Spirit, what God is doing in the world, they can't help but react with songs of praise. And so we saw last week the song of Elizabeth. We saw last week that the song of Mary and Lord willing. In a few weeks, we'll see the song of the angels to the shepherd uh, and the song of Simeon at Christ's dedication at the temple. But today, today we come to this song of Zechariah. Now, I'll confess to you that in the, the first service, we didn't actually make it to the song. And I don't imagine that we will here today either. But uh, I'm glad that we read it because we will at least uh, look at one verse there. But, but this is often called the, the Benedictus, right? Uh, and so you'll remember that, that when we last left Zechariah, that, that he ha- had gone from what was really a high point both in his life, both personally and professionally, to having his mouth and ears closed. Back in verse 8, uh, you see that, that he was chosen by lot to go into the holy place, uh, to burn incense and to offer prayers to the Lord, what was kind of the, the high point, the, the Super Bowl in the life of a priest, if you were. They only got to do it one time. And so this was a big deal. And of course, while he is there, he is confronted by the angel Gabriel, who tells him that his wife, Elizabeth, uh, will soon bear a son. And this son will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, He will lead many of the children of Israel back to their God. This son, John, he, he will be the one spoken of by the prophet Malachi, the voice crying out in the wilderness who comes to, to pave the way for the Lord. Well, when Zechariah, of course, when he hears that news, he, he asks the question that probably all of us would have asked, how will I know this? Verse 18, right? How will I know these things will happen? After all, Elizabeth is barren. They, they are past the age of, of having children. And so this seems really good to, too good to be true, right? It seems that, that this is something that is impossible. And so though the news is delivered there in the temple, in the holy place, though it's delivered by the angel Gabriel, Zachariah's faith, it wavers, right? It wavers in that moment. It is hard, it is difficult for him to believe what is happening. And, and you remember that Gabriel responds by, by closing his mouth. And he says that, that, that it will be this way, closing his mouth and apparently his ears too, it will be this way until all of this comes to pass. Thus, the name, O Lord, open my lips. Now, as we come to our passage today, we see that, that it, it, nine months has passed. And through all the, the joy, through all the preparations that come as, as you get ready to have the birth of a child, Zechariah has been silent. He has been left in silence. Now, it's difficult for us to imagine what those nine months must have been like. You know, think of all the time that, that Zechariah had just with his thoughts. That was all he had, right? It was just his thoughts. All the time that he had with his regrets, all the time that he had to wrestle, not only with his lack of faith in the past, but also the question of his faith moving forward. If the time came, if God came again and said, Zachariah, do you believe these things? How would Zachariah respond? 
Would he respond in faith? Well, in verses 57 through 66 here, we see that that Zechariah does indeed get that opportunity. And this time, as he is faced with the question of what this child will be named, we see that he responds by believing all that the Lord had spoken to him through the angel Gabriel. In, in his time of silence, it seems that, that Zechariah has truly learned to trust in God. And the question for us this morning as we consider this text is have we learned to do the same? As we consider our own failures, as we consider our own regrets, as we consider our lack of faith maybe in the past or the question of our faith moving forward, are we trusting, are we clinging to every word that God has spoken to us? Well, that's the, that's the question that I want us to consider. Let's look at it together. As our passage begins here in verse 57, we see that, that the joy of Elizabeth and Zechariah's news has spread to their family. And of course, it has spread throughout the community. And what we have here is not a scene that's all that unfamiliar to us, right? Uh, I remember when Sam was born, Sam was the first grandchild on both sides of our family. And so I can remember coming out of the, the delivery room during that long 19 hours. He was not really ready to, to get here. He wanted to hang out a little while longer. So 19 hours of labor. Um, I can remember coming out. And at that point, Renee and I still had all of our grandparents. And so they were all there. Uh, obviously, our parents were there waiting. I, I told him this morning, I'm pretty sure Ryan slept in a truck that night in the parking lot. He slept in his truck. Now, I meant to say, and I didn't, you know, with Will coming, maybe I'll have the opportunity to return the favor here in just a few short months, but he literally slept in a truck. Uh, and so the joy, the, the, the happiness that we all felt at the birth of this child, it was obvious and it was obvious there in the waiting room. And, and that's really what you have here. Uh, this couple, maybe even more so, this couple that, that had waited so long for a child that seemed to be past the point of that even being an opportunity or a possibility. Here they are getting ready to have this son. And so everybody comes out. Everybody is there anticipating, waiting. And when it comes time to circumcise the child, they are all there. And it seems that, that while Elizabeth has been busy uh, giving birth, taking care of this child, that they have all been uh, naming the child. <laughs> they have all been busy trying to figure out what they're going to call it. Now, I'll admit to you that, that I've spent most of the week considering this text just kind of chuckling at this scene because you can almost see it playing out, right? There, there's that one kind of crazy uncle, that one crazy cousin that's there that says, uh, that says every child is going to be named after them, right? They, they, they're going to name that child whatever, Bob or something. And the, the, all the ladies are like, no, 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 that's not right. They're off in the corner and they're saying, no, they're going to name that child something sensible like Stephen or, or Joseph or something that was, you know, popular in that day. But then, then that one elderly aunt or grandmother or somebody stands up and says, no, y'all are all wrong. We're going to follow tradition. We are going to name this child after his father. End of story. That's it. We're going to name him Zachariah Jr., it's got a good ring to it, doesn't it? Zachariah Jr. They got it all figured out. 
The problem, of course, was that they failed to consult with the, the one person that really mattered in this decision, the mother. You can't make a decision like that without talking to this baby's mom. And so they go and they, and they ask Elizabeth, and they say, all right, what's, what are we going to name this child? And she says, his name is going to be John, right? Now, their response, again, is, is almost funny. They, they say, wait, you can't do that. John, that doesn't follow the tradition of, of our people. You don't even have any family members named John. Let, let's, get, let's get the dad in here. Now they bring Zachariah in, right? And bless his heart. He can't understand what they're saying. They, they can't understand what he's saying. So they're having to try to sign stuff to him. And they finally get him to figure out what they're talking about. And he asks for a tablet. And, and what does he say? He doesn't say, well, you know, we were kind of thinking about John. And say, well, you know, his mom, that's what she wants to name him, John. So that's what we're going to have to go with. No. He says his name is John. His name is John. Friends, I want to submit to you that, that in that moment, and this is kind of the, the basis of our sermon this morning, so this is important. I want to submit to you that, that, that in that moment, it wasn't just that, that Zachariah was naming his son. When he says his name is John, he is giving us a confession of faith. This is a statement of what God has done in his heart. He now, after all of this time, has completely bought in. It seems that, that in the midst of God's discipline, and that's all that we can describe it as, right? When, when, when he is there and he, his faith wavers for that moment, Gabriel responds quickly and decisively to the point that, that as God's people today, we read that and we're kind of like, ooh, that, that, that seems pretty tough because we, we react the same so often, right? But, but in that moment, God's discipline comes to him. And it seems that in the midst of it all, in the midst of that long silence, that God has been at work. Friends, that, that, that all of that, the silence, the, the shutting of his mouth was an act of God's mercy. It was an act of God's grace in his life because it brought him to a place where his faith was strengthened, where his faith was established, a place where he was able to stand up and say against the tradition of his culture, against his family and friends, this child's name is John. Now, you may say, well, look, you're making a whole lot out of this. You're making way too much of it. But I don't think that's true. Because remember, what does the name John even mean? It means Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is merciful. Zechariah, he has seen that. In this time where he could not talk, where he was left with his thoughts, he has realized that that is exactly right. That Yahweh truly is gracious and merciful, even in his discipline towards his people. Now, I want us to pause there just for a minute. You know, I don't have to tell you that, that we are living in difficult times, right? That, that we are facing difficulties both individually and as a people. And this week was certainly uh, just another reminder of that as we tried to make decisions here at the church, as, as schools are trying to make decisions about how we're going to continue on 
It is a difficult world that we face. However you feel about it, just trying to understand what the right thing to do and how to do it. And so Bradley, he had come down to, to work on the Zoom thing. And he and I were talking about it. And I just, I said, as, as pastors often do, and we were talking about the, the virus. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm praying about it. I've been praying about it. And, and then I, I just paused. And it's like it hit me right in the middle of that statement. I said, but you know, I, I've been praying about it for about eight months now. You know, I've really been been praying hard. And it was almost like then I felt almost like Habakkuk did. You remember in Habakkuk chapter one and in verse two, he cries out to the Lord. He says, how long, O Lord, Were you not here? How long, O Lord? And the reality is, is, is so often we, we feel that way. You know, I imagine Zechariah felt that way as he waited those long nine months. But, but we feel that way as we look out at the world. How long will this continue on, O oh Lord? How long will you let the world mock you? How long will you allow babies to be murdered in their mother's womb? How long will you see marriages crumble, families torn apart? How long will you allow cancer and disease to separate us from those that we love? Wars to rage, famines to exist. How long, O oh Lord? Then, then, then I came here, as God so often does. He, he leads us to his word and, and he speaks to us. And as I considered these words of Zechariah, I realized that the question that I was asking was the, the wrong question. Because the right question is this. What, what, if, what if in the midst of all of these things, God is at work? Now look, I, I know that these things are very real and they are very painful. And I don't mean to, to minimize any of that. And I don't mean to imply here that somehow that, that God is the author of sin or the author of evil. But what I do mean to imply is what if Romans 8.28 is true? What if God truly is working all things for his good, for our good and for his glory? What if God is working in the midst of the coronavirus? What if God is doing great and mighty things? What if he is establishing? What if he is building our faith so that when the time comes and friends, it's coming, it's coming soon that we are able to stand up and say, yes, you may say this friends, family world, but we are going to stand on every word that God has said to us. We will trust in the words of the Lord. What if, as John's name implies, Yahweh truly is gracious? What if he really is at work reconciling all things to himself? What if he really is making all things new? Wouldn't that change the way we live? Wouldn't that change the way we view the world? Couldn't we live with hope and joy even in the midst of it all? Now, friends, that was a lot of questions I just asked. And you may need some time to process all those questions. But let me just give you an answer. Okay? That way you don't have to think about it too hard. Let me give you an answer here. The message of Christmas, the message of the cross, the message of the gospel is this. All those questions are true. Jesus is doing all of those things. The most scandalous thing this world has ever known is Jesus in a manger. It's Jesus on a cross. How could the Lord of glory stoop so low? 
How could the father allow his son to be humiliated? How could he allow him to be crucified on my behalf, on our behalf? How could he pour out his wrath upon his beloved son? Right? You remember Isaiah 53 says he was pleased to crush him. Peter says at Pentecost that it was God's plan. It was the foreknowledge of God that delivered Jesus to the cross. This was not chance. This was not just the work of men. This was God's plan. How could he do that? This holy one who didn't revile when he was mocked, who didn't answer his accusers as they spit on him, as they they whipped him, all of those things. The only answer that we can give to those questions is is John 3.16, right? God so loved the world. It was love that motivated him. We think about Romans 5.8. You remember uh, Paul's words there. Get to it. It says, but God shows us his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was love. God has sent Jesus to die so that we might be the righteousness of God. If these things are true, if Paul has got it right, then Romans 8.32, it holds as well, right? You Remember, he says there, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God was willing to do that, the lowest point that this world has ever known, God in the flesh crucified, if he was willing to do that, then the reality is is that God could take this priest, Zechariah, he can shut his mouth, He can work true faith in his heart. Reality is, is he can come to us in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of all that we see going on around us. And he can establish and build our faith. Look, that's not easy. And it may require us to run back. It will require us to run back to the cross over and over and over again to be reminded of who he is in his word. Facts are is his works are just and they are holy and they are wondrous. They are also gracious to all of his children. They are kind to all of his people. He is working all of this out for good. Friends, that's hard to see. And often we can't see past ourselves to get there. That's the truth of the gospel. That is the truth of what Jesus has done. And so we can rest in it. Well, Zechariah, he he makes his confession and suddenly he he finds his voice, right? Suddenly he he begins to to sing. Now, we don't have time, like I said, to to get into the actual song here. We'll do that next week. But I want you to notice how Luke describes what, uh, what Zechariah says there. Look at verse 64. It says, and immediately he opened his mouth and he was, his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke doing what? Blessing God. Now look, as somebody who likes to talk a lot, <laughs> Renee will tell you that. And she'll also tell you that most of the time when I get in trouble, it's because I just talk too much. I can't stop talking. Um, but as somebody who is that way, I can only imagine 
what my first words would have been after nine months of silence, right? Now, knowing me and knowing my self-centeredness, I'm sure they probably would have been like been something like, can y'all just can y'all believe what God has done to me? Can y'all believe all of this that has happened? But we see here that that like Mary, uh, like, like Mary's words last week, Zachariah's words, they reflect the truth of his heart, right? Look at verse 68. And again, I said we weren't going to get into it and we won't, but just look at this one verse. Zechariah begins to sing and he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for, for, right? Your translation may say because, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Blessed be the Lord God because he has visited and he has redeemed. Friends, here we see the confession of any heart that has been changed, truly changed by the gospel. When we know that Jesus has visited, when we know that he has redeemed, our only proper response is praise. Our only proper response is worship to say, blessed be the God of Israel. And notice, notice how that uh, response. Notice how it affects the, the people that are there around Elizabeth and Zechariah. Look at verse uh, 65. It says, And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. As God acts, as He transforms our lives, as we praise and worship Him for all that He does, as the world, they can't help but notice They may not know it, they may not understand it, they may not like it, but they cannot help but notice. Because we live in a world that is longing for, that is devoid of hope, right? If you open your newspapers, if you turn on your TVs, what do you see over and over and over again? People who have no hope. When we worship When we praise, we are declaring to the world that we do have hope. And so, friends, here's the thing. We don't have to go out into the world and beat people over the head with the Bible, though sometimes we do that, and sometimes that's okay. We don't have to go out and show our theological mastery of God's Word to everybody we come into contact with. No, what we have to do is go out in the world and live with hope. That's what Peter says, right? Be ready to give an account of what? The hope that is in you, right? The hope. Why? Because people are longing for it. People need it. And we have the only unending eternal supply of hope. Our greatest witness in a lost and dying world is that we have hope beyond today beyond the coronavirus, beyond politics, beyond all of those things, we have hope. Friends, are we living like that? Does the world see that in God's people today? Above all else, they should see our love and they should see our hope. We have to go out and speak to our neighbors, speak to our friends, speak to our coworkers, speak to our leaders the hope of the gospel. 
Well, I think that's probably enough for us this morning. I know you're cold. Uh, and, and if we go farther, we're going to get into Zachariah's song, and that's going to take us a little while. So uh, I think we'll stop there next week. We'll, we'll kind of try to flesh that out. But, but as we consider the, this faith that, that God has worked in Zachariah's heart, as he has been able to stand up and say with authority, with conviction, this child's name is John. I, I want to close by, by asking you just a simple question. How's your faith today? Now, for some, it may be non-existent. Like so many out in the world, you're longing for hope. You can't find it. And the reality is, is apart from Christ, you won't find it. Friends, let me point you to Jesus. He has that never-ending, eternal supply of hope. And he says, whoever will may come and he will not turn you away. Fall before him. Confess your sins. He, he will give you hope. For others of us, our faith is more like Zacharias. It's, it's a work in progress at, at best, right? We look at our lives and we realize that we have failed in so many ways. We, we have regrets. We, we wonder what our faith will be in the future. Friends, let me remind you today that, that Jesus is not done. He is still at work. He is still fighting for his people. The, the words of Paul in Philippians, they still hold true. He who began a good work in you, he will complete it. Sometimes he's going to complete it through difficulties. Sometimes he's going to bring stuff into our lives that we don't like so that we have no choice but to fall before him and say, Lord, we've got nowhere else to go. You're the only one that can do it. But friends, in the midst of that, it's grace. It's all grace. He is at work in our lives doing great things. And so I invite you. If you know the Lord, if you know the truth of who he is, go out, leave this place and live in that hope, knowing that that he will never let you go and knowing that he will never let you down. Let's pray together. Father, as we consider those words, as we consider what you have done for us, your, your grace, your mercy to us, even in the most difficult places of our lives. Father, we pray that that you would just continue to to work that salvation in us, that you would help us to to live in faith, help us to live in the hope that you have given us so that we might go out into the world and people might see it, be curious about it. And Lord, that we might be brave enough, bold enough to, to like Zacharias, stand up and say, this is what God has said is true. We know what you believe. We know what you want. We know what your traditions say. But this is what the Lord of heaven and earth has spoken to us. We will stand on this. Father, work that out in our hearts, whether it's through hardships, whether it's through joyous times, whatever it is in our lives. But we pray that, that you might continue to make us your people for your glory, for the honor of Jesus, our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.